My name is Paul Riley, also known as Political Paul, and this is The Riley Rant, a weekly podcast where we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. Let's rant. Thank you for tuning in to the 17th official episode of The Riley Rant. As was noted in the intro, we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. And if you've been following us, you know that our last two rants have been on the political. I wanted to pivot to the personal this week. And if you all are listening on this Sunday, you'll know that it's Mother's Day. And I thought, who else but Sharon, my mother, uh, to have on the show to just discuss growing up, to discuss being a mother, and, and to really just discuss our family dynamic and our life. I thought that this was the most fitting time uh, with Mother's Day happening and just realizing I am grateful for my mother. I'm grateful for all that she's done for me. And I'm even more excited to have her on this episode of the Riley Rant. So how are you, mom? Hello, Paul <laughs> Riley. How are you? Little boy. <laughs> I think what's so funny is, you know, when I started the podcast, it was because I love to talk and, People think that I'm, you know, this talkative person, and I'm like, oh, you haven't met my mother. Like, I think I get hey, a lot of those things hey, from you. Hey. I think that's so funny. They better recognize. They better <laughs> recognize. We overtalk each other, Paul. Yeah, and our little debates and stuff. But that only makes up for the fact that your father and your sister don't talk at all. So yeah, they don't talk at all. We have to pick up the slack for them. We had to talk for them all along. <laughs> we had to do the that's overtime. We, that's right, the overtime, Paul. The overtime we never got paid for. <laughs> but what cracks me up too is you tell me you, what cracks me up is when you tell me how after I sort of went to college and, and moved to San Francisco and stuff when y'all would take road trips and things of that sort they would be yeah. sort of annoyed at you because you would be filling up the noise like just talking and I would <laughs> have to talk and, <laughs> and I would have to put you on a speakerphone in order to hear a human voice because they would look at me like she's never going to shut up and I'm like and you would tell me mommy I'm so sorry I'm so so sorry for you but you need to be here with us these people are just looking at the road they're not saying anything but yeah. one thing I know is once we get all together we do talk and we do laugh and we have a lot of fun but we tend to over talk each other because we love to talk so much we got to be we got to be extra mindful then for this episode because the listeners they know that I can go on for 20 30 40 minutes and we know you yeah. can go on for 40 50 yeah. 60 minutes so we're going to try to keep yeah. it short but yeah. just wanted we will, to uh, we will. To bring you on can the I show. give them my phone number, Paul, so they can call me after the rant? <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to, given that it's Mother's Day, I wanted to connect because I know we talk and we joke around, but just wanted to sort of shine a light on you and all that you've done uh, for me and Brianna throughout our life and, and just being there and being the unsung hero. And I think there's so many mothers across the country who do so much and it's such a thankless job you know the right. things that you do the hoops that you jump through and over uh to get us to become the adults and the people that we are today so really glad that you could come on the show and i think it's so funny how we even got started i was just talking to you on the phone and i was like you know i need you to come on the rant we got to make this happen and you were so willing so really excited yeah. again we're going to try our, our hardest to keep it under a reasonable yeah, we can time do it. We can do it. 
but let, let's get started. So I think the best way to start is to just go over sort of your dynamic growing up. You know, I know my aunts and uncles who are your brothers and sisters, but what was it like growing up in Philadelphia? You know, in the, I'm not going to give up your age, but in the 19, you know, the mid 19th, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the mid 20th century. <laughs> growing up in Philadelphia, um, it was exciting. It was all we knew. We had a lot of friends. I came from a household of four, two girls, three girls and a boy. And we had friends. We had a different relationship with our parents than you and I have, okay? We were not able to be as verbal. We wasn't able <laughs> to have an opinion like you guys do. So we just listened. So we thought our parents knew everything. We thought they were the greatest human beings in the world. And then when we got older, old enough to know that they made mistakes, we realized, like, oh, you're not these perfect people. But... um the dynamics change when we start having our children. Um, and I, I, I love the fact that you, you know, reflect the back on my sisters and brothers because I feel like my sisters and brothers are extremely close to my children. And I always told you, if anything ever happened to me, it's so great because you have my um, brother and my sisters to look after you. And you told me, Mommy, that's not the same. I want you. Mm-hmm. And that made me feel so good knowing that somebody wanted me. It's crazy, right? So that really blessed me. That really blessed my soul. So growing up in Philly was exciting. It was fun. We thought we lived a great life. We thought we had. We thought we had money and stuff, you know, until we met rich people. And we were like, oh, my God, we're missing out on a museum. We're missing out on a place. We're missing out on a baseball game. The only baseball game we saw was the ones we created ourselves. But it was nice being creative. It was nice being active. These children nowadays, you guys are not as active as we were. We exercised, we ran around, we took walks, we took hikes, we went to day camps. You guys sit down and you play on your video games, and that's the difference. But um, <laughs> growing up in Philly was, was nice, it was nice. And when I think about um, just the dynamic between you and your siblings, it's, it's just so funny because you all are so different in, in every way, and it's just crazy to think that y'all all came from the same household. So how would you even describe that dynamic. How was it being the middle child, and and what was that like with your siblings? Well, it was it was it was pretty exciting because we had to. The oldest was always known as the oldest because they were first. The youngest was always the baby, so they did no wrong, and they were supposed to be protected. The middle child had to fend for themselves. You know, I had to start my own fires and cook my own food. You know, like I had to express myself. I had to jump out the box to let everybody know I'm right here, you know, and I did that with the humor, okay? Karen was our overseer. She took up for us. She looked after us. Um, she protected us. She guided us. She taught us, okay? She did our hair. She took us with her different places. I looked at the Erica, but I was always that person in the middle where it was like, there's Karen, there's Erica. I guess the oldest, and he's the boy. So, you know, even with our chores, you know, we had different chores that we all did, and it was it was different, but that's what makes us all unique. We all are bonded with love, though. Our parents brought us up on being responsible. They taught us integrity. They taught us how to love, and we just had an overall balanced life. We went to school. We wasn't the smartest people, but we paid attention. We listened. Um, we were born and raised in the church, so we had that 
We had that special Mr. Dallas. We wasn't just ratchet and running all over the place. Did you say ratchet? You know? <laughs> we had that family. Yeah, ratchet. You know ratchet. <laughs> That's a new word you learned, I guess, in my absence. But <laughs> but when yeah. you talk about you talked about uh being humorous and, and and stuff in the house, was that true in school as well? In terms of like what was your description in, in the in high school? In school? Well if you read my report cards it would say Sharon is very very good at her words. She's very good at math. She does her spelling very well. However, Sharon's very talkative. <laughs> she doesn't know how to stop talking. And I was like, they're lying on me. And my mother would look at me like, they're not lying. They're not telling stories. We wasn't able to use lying. <laughs> she said, they're not telling stories on you. You do talk a lot. And I was like, I don't talk a lot. I wasn't talking. It was the other person, but I was talking. You know, but I would never admit to it. But that was part of my personality. I had to talk because everybody wanted to hear what I had to say. <laughs> At least that's what I thought. At least that's what I thought. Yeah, and I think when you think about sort of being humorous and stuff, how do you think that's played out in your role as a mother and having two kids? How did that affect how you were a parent to us? Because it definitely was a, a, a fun and unique experience. Well, that's why my brothers and sisters say they're surprised that you guys came out the way you came out because you live with a crazy person, you know. But when we got behind closed doors, I I did raise you guys. However, I was a more lenient parent. I was a fun parent. I was one of those parents that anything goes. But I think that in in raising you guys in that fun way, it made it easier for you guys to come to me with anything. And I want to believe that you guys lived a balanced life and you got everything you needed and I wasn't that strict parent. Maybe I should have been, but that just wasn't my makeup. But I, I believe you guys came out really well, you know, considering the fact. But I just wanted to know that you guys were comfortable and you were able to come to me for anything. And I think what's so funny, too, is I think that um, I, I think that we were just lucky to have parents who were different because it balanced out the experience. And so it was more of like dad would be the one who would give you the realistic hard truth about something Mm -hmm. or what's possible Mm -hmm. whereas you would be more so dream big the sky's the limit nothing can hold you back we'll make it work just tell me what the idea what the idea is and we'll we'll try to figure Mm -hmm. it out and so i think that uh what's so funny is i think as i get older and i think as brianna gets older we start to see how we're taking on different aspects of both of you and how that makes us better or much better for it because we had this perspective on, you know, when I get into the serious, you know, pragmatic, realistic, you know, dad approach, I I also have the fun, enjoy life. You only have one shot at this mentality that you. Yeah. Now I do want to say this, Paul, there's situations where we would have disagreements. He would listen to both sides. (laughs) He would look at you guys as a parent and he would give it to you straight. And he would listen to both sides, okay? Once you guys went upstairs and went to bed, he would say to me, you know you were dead wrong, but I had to side with you, you know, for the kids' sake. So it was so funny because he would never overstep me, but he would keep everything in perspective. And by the time he broke it down to me of what he would have done, it made sense. However, he would make you guys believe that this woman, you have to listen to her. She's your mother. Mm-hmm. But it was so funny because it was like we were in a court. Like, he was the judge, I was the lawyer, and you guys were trying to defend your case. And I'm looking at you like, no, no, we're arguing back and <laughs> forth. But this is daddy and mommy. And it was so funny. But 
we we made out, you know, and we we came to a mutual agreement, but that next morning it was always I love you, you know, have a great day, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how mad we were at each other. <laughs> and when you <laughs> and when you think about um when I think about EA and I think what's so funny, so for the listeners they may not know the dynamics, but living in Philadelphia um, and going to a private school, Episcopal Academy, I thought it was such an interesting dynamic because, you know, the the type of student that, that attended those schools was drastically different um, in terms of the upbringing and the experience. And so I thought it was so funny to be in a, a space where there weren't many people with our dynamic, you know, in those spaces, you know, with those opportunities. And so I want to hear sort of how that even came about. How did you even think about sort of Episcopal at sort of third grade? And what gave you that foresight? Well, when you were a little boy, first of all, I just want to throw this in there. You never called. You always walked. One day, I would put you on the floor. You would just lay there and look at me like, why does she have a floor? One day, you just got up and you start walking. So you never crawled. And that's something you did, and that was unique. And I always saw something in you where you were so newsy as a child that I was like, this kid wants to learn, and he's going to be somebody. So I start believing in you early on. So your Aunt Lisa, she was sending Wayne for an interview, and she was telling me about this school. And I was like, wow, that sounds really nice. So she's like, why don't you apply? And, you know... I was, like, appreciative of her, so I went on and I applied, and we had an interview, and you had to take an IQ test. You did really good on the IQ test. You were only, like, four, and um, four or five, and uh, I had the interview with them, and they liked both of us, so they did accept you. However, they didn't have any space, so you were on a waiting list for, like, two years, okay? Once the room became available and you were able to go to Episcopal, I had to pay, but I didn't mind because I knew I had a dream. I'm no Martin Luther King, but <laughs> I really had a dream that you would do something big. So you you started attending there, and even though the people were filthy rich and they, they didn't look like you, you still managed to um, to get involved in, and learn, and you didn't let them get anything over on you. You know, you made sure you were allowed the same opportunities they were. And But getting back into the theme of things, I really saw something in you, and I'm glad that God led me to allow you to be educated the way you were. And you lived up to your point as far as learning. And you didn't give me any trouble. So I, I appreciate that from you. And so when you think about raising... Brianna and me, what what were some of the most memorable moments you had uh, around our upbringing and and things that you'll never forget as you were raising us? Things I'll never forget. We went. You were brought up in the church, you and Brianna, and we would have a student achievement day, and I was on a committee. And to just to hear your name being called on the honor roll every time we had this, that was enlightening. That was telling me that I was doing a good job with raising you guys, and you guys were doing a great job in learning. When you guys were caring for other people, people with disabilities, when you didn't laugh at people who were different, um, that made me feel good as a parent because I know that I raised you right and I raised you to be respectable and to love all people. So that's some of the things that, as a parent, touches you because 
is it's not what your children do inside the house. It's what they do when they get outside. It's what did they learn inside, mm-hmm. okay? What kind of upbringing did you have? So just like the Bible says, you can tell them by their fruit. You can tell where a person comes from just by the way they carry themselves. And you guys, you carry yourselves very well. Yeah, and when you think about sort of your relationship with your mother, how would you describe it? Because I, I feel like you and Grandma are extremely close. I feel like Grandma is close to her mother. Uh, how would you describe? The closeness I have with my mother? Yeah. Um, I have a really closeness with my mother because I, I like to hear her advice with things. My mother is a Sunday school teacher. She's a deacon in the church <laughs> now. She raised us with uh, fear in God. She raised us with a strong fist where um, she didn't tolerate you know, talking bad. She didn't tolerate this. And then you talk about also like so the, the, raised, the look. <laughs> like they just had to look at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't she didn't even have to hit you. Like all she had to do was look at you and you would just stop talking. Like you knew that it was just over. You know, you had no sense, <laughs> you know. And and we knew we knew what that look was. But she was also a person I would tell everything to. And she would sometimes look at me and say, You're telling me too much <laughs> you know, which I, I, I never understood that but we did have a tightness, and I feel like we have a closeness. I have a closeness with my kids because when you went away to college, I would call you like twice a week. And people were like, who does that? I was like, I want to hear his voice. I want to know he's still breathing, you know. So I was really overprotective. So I think a lot of that followed me over to my children, the way my mother was with us, because she was very concerned about us and our well-being. So when I think about, you know, we talk about having this fun family dynamic in this fun childhood. And and I really think about all those amazing experiences. But I also realized, you know, as I was going to Episcopal and getting on the bus at 6.50 a.m. and not getting home till 7.15 p.m. and then going to college and being away for four years. I wasn't that far away, but, you know, still being away from the family for that long and then moving out to California. I think that one of the things I have been trying to grapple with is how do you take advantage of all these amazing opportunities while also realizing that, you know, there's going to be some costing that you're going to have to incur being away from all of you. You know, right now I'm 3000 miles away and, and I really think about that and I want to get your perspective on sort of how you think about those things and, you know, having a child that's far away. Um, and if you ever thought about even well, making a move out of Philly when you were my age and, and things of that sort I believe that you were allotted these opportunities through God. God allowed your life to take this turn where you have no responsibilities, but you have every opportunity to learn and to explore and to um, lead a different life, not to be in the same place that I'm in. Um, I would have loved to possibly travel, but I, I, I don't like the fact of taking you away from your family. So I wanted to stay in the geographical area of where our family was so that we can still keep that closeness. However, now that you're matriculating to a, a, a nice young man, I believe that you need to explore every opportunity that you have that God has allotted mm-hmm. you and to take advantage of it. And we can visit each other. We can FaceTime each other. We can definitely text each other and talk to each other. But it's a time in your life, I believe, that you should be um, looking towards your future, enjoying your life, because this is the enjoyable years. And I, I pray to God that Daddy and I did a good job at 
at um, raising you in a way where you feel comfortable, that you feel that you're loved, that you feel that you can give back. Because I believe you have so much to give to the world, to the world. As a little boy, I used to always tell you, you're going to be the first black president. <laughs> and when Barack Obama was nominated, I'm glad that he was able to lead the way and show you that you, there is a possibility. There are possibilities for you to be that, but you ran with that, and that's why I believe that you're so interested in politics because you have a heart that I want to help people, and that's a great thing. And I, I really hope that you go forward with that. And when I think about just becoming a man, I think that I owe a lot of who I am, or all of who I am, to to you and to the example that you set. You joke about how you took an unorthodox approach to parenting and you were lenient, but I think that that truly made us individuals who were independent, who really had respect for people, who could laugh at themselves and not take themselves or life too seriously. I think these are all lessons that, you know, Princeton could never teach me, EA could never teach me, but it was watching you day in and day out. And and I see it in the big and small ways, you know, the ways in which if someone in the family is having a party, you're the go-to planner because you know how to bring things together and to, and to bring people together and to bring laughter and humor so that we all have a good time. And so when I think about who I am today, I owe so much to you. And when I joke with people, even about putting on a podcast or thinking about politics or just connecting with people on a daily basis, I often laugh and say, you know, you think that I'm unique. You have to look at the person who, who raised me and who birthed me because she's oh, the wow. one who has really had an impression on me and my personality and, and who I seek to become. And so I want to let you know, I don't tell you this enough, but I love you so much. And I love the example that you set. I love and appreciate the sacrifices you made for me and Brianna. And I'm just so excited to pay it forward um, in, in material ways, but just also in the example that I set and the impact that I try to leave, not even on the world, but uh, on my community and on friendships and, and at work. And so it's a testament to you. Wow. I really love you. I really appreciate you. And I hope that you enjoy this Mother's wow. Day. I, I often crack up because you talk about how I always get you edible arrangements. And you're like, please, please don't do that this year. <laughs> please don't do that this year. Just give me the money. Well, I just want to say to you that you are my day one. And I, I love you guys to the moon and back. Like, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. Um, God has really blessed me with you, and I thank you, and I appreciate you. I love you, and even though we're miles and miles away, I pray for you every day. I think about you in the middle of the day. Sometimes I laugh about some of the things you say. Um, you're a mixture of Daddy and I, and I love your seriousness, and I love your joking I, I love when you're explaining things. I love when you are trying to help someone. I love that about you, and I thank God for you. And I will always, always, always keep you in my prayers. Um, and I know that you can be anything that you want to be. And I know that the world is waiting for you. So please continue to do what wow. you do. Please continue to do what you do. And I always end the, the episode by saying, if it's Sunday... It's time to rant. If it's Sunday, it's the Riley rant. But I feel since you're on the show, and without you, there would be no Riley rant at all. I want you to help me in ending out with that with that line so that we can end off this episode. Okay. 
So take it away. Mm-hmm. It's a Sunday. It's time to rant. It's a Sunday. It's the Raleigh rant. 